Amen, amen. How are we doing this morning, church? You guys good? A little bit more encouraged than you were 37 minutes ago, hopefully. That's why we gather, is to get encouraged in, uh, in who God is and who he's called us to be. Um, the gathering, you guys know that following Jesus is not like an individual sport, right? It's not like tennis or golf, right? Those are great. But following Jesus is like a family affair. It's like a team sport, you know? It's like we actually cannot do this thing on our own. So anything in like your theology or worldview that says, man, I should be able to be self-sustaining, independent, I should be able to do this all on my own, that is just not the gospel. That's not, at least that's not what this says, you know? And so we're glad you're here this morning because that means you've got a much higher chance of like being a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life because you're cultivating like community and gathering with believers into your life. And uh, come to Life Group also this week. That'll help out too, all right? So, um, and that's kind of where we're going this morning is that we have this God. We, we're, we're in our last and final week of this series we've been going through called Radiant. And we've been looking at um, this incredible God that we have. And, and the, this multifaceted God that has revealed himself as a father, that's revealed himself as Jesus, the Savior that walked on the earth, and then that's revealed himself as this spirit of holiness that comes and dwells inside of us. We, we, the, God exists in community is what I'm saying. You guys see that? In, the, in Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image. I know we get tripped up on like the technicalities of the Trinity sometimes. It's very simple. God exists in community. And so when we are adopted into this community, through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, we are literally saved from the domain of darkness. The Bible says we're, we're rescued out of a place of darkness and we are transferred into a kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. So there's a couple ways to say it. You could say, I've been pulled out of one kingdom and put into another, or I've been adopted out of an orphanhood and I've been put into a family. So the nature of your salvation, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, is community. Like you've been pulled into a community. You with me? We're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. My name's Chris, by the way. Uh, I'm, I work here. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Tyler and I have been buddies for many years. I've been on the staff here for almost four years. I'm the family's pastor. A little bit about myself before we jump in. Um, I, I have four little kids and fifth on the way, all right? And um, we just found, so I have three boys and a little cute little daughter named Holland. She's two. And we just found out, number five, here it is, official public announcement, okay? We are having our fourth Pletcher boy. We'll roam. That's right. So, so when Tyler hired me as the family's pastor, uh, it was like part, one of my like, you know, job descriptions was like, have more kids than everybody else, okay? So I'm, tr- I'm trying Five and six years. My oldest is six. He turned six today, Caleb. So we're tired and um, <laughs> thankful. It's good. They get older. We love it. We love it. I'm still smiling. I still love Jesus. Like, let's go for eight, you know? <laughs> My wife's not here. She'll be at the next service. And... But... 
Uh, we love being a part of this community, and man, just love what God is doing in our midst, and and love that we uh, we really the, the church really is the family of God. We have literally been adopted by a father. Do you know the Book of Hebrews says that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect? That the Scripture actually equates God in the flesh walking on the earth like as a brother. He was like, let me come up, let me come up alongside of you. Let me take on flesh and blood, become like you, and bring you into the, bring you back into the family. Because y'all gone astray and rebelled and been all crazy. Let me pull you back into the family. It's amazing. We're part of a family, and it's important because the the family of the children of God was given a very important mandate from the beginning of time. The family of God was given this mandate to fill the earth with the glory of God, okay? You guys know when God created the planet, he said, let us make man in our image. He actually entrusted authority over the planet to us, to mankind. And he said, now you guys get to go rule over this planet as my children created in my image. You've been created in my image. We were created to steward the glory and beauty of God. We were made in his image. As messed up and broken as you feel because of sin and the fall of this planet, do you know that you were actually created to carry the glory and beauty of God? And that you do, and it's just in the process of being restored what was lost? And so we were put on this planet. It's like my kids. My kids reflect my likeness. Okay, so Arlena, she's like hoping that we'll finally have a kid that looks like her. But all, that Pletcher gene is strong. They all look like, even in our ultrasound last Friday, when we found out there was a boy, we like saw the little nose and we're like, she's like, another one, it looks like you. She's got the Pletcher nose, you know, all my kids. So they reflect my likeness and they actually carry the culture of our family that we're establishing in our, in our home. That's what kids do. They reflect your likeness and they carry the culture of the family. And so everywhere my kids go, they look like me, and they're carrying whatever culture I've established in my home. So, so it actually, it should reflect well on me if I'm doing a great job. Everywhere my kids go, there should be a trail of blessing and honor and life. And, and now, trust me, it doesn't always happy, happen that way. We're in progress, and I'm training my kids. But just the other day, I heard from a, a, a young, uh, engaged couple that watches our kids from time to time, they're, uh, they're getting married later uh, in, in December. And she said, she said, you know, I'm not like, I don't think that I was like really wanting or, or like itching to have kids right away. But she said, every time I hang out around your children, it like makes me want to have kids now. And I'm like, praise God, you know, like we're actually, I don't want, look, if you hang out with my kids and by the time you're done, you're like, please take them I just and you go and you crash for like three days, then I've got some work to do as a parent because I get to create the culture of my family. My kids, are, my kids reflect my likeness. They carry my culture. It's the same thing that we were supposed to do on the planet. Okay? We didn't. Instead of honoring God and, refl- and honoring the family and the, and the call he gave us, we rebelled. And as a result, we filled the earth with brokenness and rebellion instead of the glory of God, right? So if you've ever asked yourself that question, why does God allow so much bad stuff to happen on the planet? Have you ever asked that? I know I have. I know I have. But then I realized I was asking the wrong question. The right question is, why do we allow so much bad stuff to happen on our planet? 
God is not the author of sin and of pain and brokenness, guys. We are. He entrusted the planet to us. We were supposed to steward it as his kids in his likeness, carrying his culture. We rebelled, filled the planet with our brokenness. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. But he could have washed his hands and he would have every right to have walked away. But instead, he literally lowered himself to walk through the mess and the garbage that we created so that he could restore all things, so that he could restore us to our intended purpose and, frankly, uh, reclaim the glory of his name to all the universe to show, hey, I will win. You can all run away and try to screw this thing up, but I will win, and my glory will be upheld. And so this he, un, he began to unfold, and that's what this Radiant series really is about. He began to unfold this very specific redemptive plan to pull us into his community, restore what was broken, and commission us back into the world. Do you know that, right? So that's where we went the last three weeks. The Father did his part, then the Son came and did his part, and then the Holy Spirit came. It's not just like, hey, God's sitting around. How can I, how can I confuse everybody? Oh, let's create the Trinity, you know? And everybody will try to create their best analogies forever. You know, no, this is, God existed in this, in this community, and then that community was a part, a very specific part of the redemptive plan, right? So in week one, we see the Father revealing himself to the people of Israel in the Old Testament as both holy and merciful. We saw in Exodus 34, Tyler did an amazing job a few weeks ago, a couple of verses here, Exodus 34 Six through eight, the Lord passed before Moses, who is the representative of this nation that was going to help restore humanity, and he proclaimed his nature. He said, I am merciful and gracious. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Wouldn't it be great if we could stop right there? But he doesn't. He says, but who will no, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The full revelation actually was, I am merciful and I am holy. And so God in the Old Testament, in spite of our rebellion, he found a way to draw near to humanity. He found a way in the Old Testament, to, he created a way to draw near to a humanity in rebellion without wiping them out. You guys know that, that that's what, what, what it was. We sometimes, I think, we look at the Old Testament, if you know anything about the Israelites and the priesthood and all the things they had to do just to kind of get close to God, be honest. Sometimes you look at the Old Testament and all the hoops people had to jump through and you go, man, why is God making this so hard? You know, we almost look at him and think he's like mean. He's making it so hard to get to him. What if we looked at it the other way and saw that this is actually incredibly merciful God still trying to draw near to a people that are totally rebelling against him, but doing it in a way where he, he, he actually maintains the revelation of his character. He says, no, I am not. I want to be close to you, but do not be mistaken. I am not like you in selfishness. I am not like you in sin. I am not like you in rebellion. And don't confuse me with the pagan gods of the culture around you either. I am not like them. That was the primary revelation that 
history that humanity needed after the fall is that God saying, I am good, I am righteous, in me there is no darkness at all. I am perfect goodness and holiness, and I am not like you. Do not be mistaken. I am not like you in your brokenness. But in the midst of this revelation of his holiness, the people corrupted the system. They turned to legalism instead of love. They turned to religion instead of relationship, right? And so God wanted to reveal a different aspect of his nature. And so the word became flesh. He's like, let me give these guys a different angle of who I am. Because they've turned this holiness, are you guys with me? They've turned this holiness thing into this like system, this legalistic thing. No, 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 no. They're missing it. Let me show them a different angle of who I am. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us as a man named Jesus. You see what I'm saying? God came near. He said, they've started to turn me into this distant thing far away and holy. No, I am near. I'm right next to you. I am compassionate and merciful and gracious. And Jesus came, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 2.9 says, in the fullness, in him, the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form. God came near in Jesus. Jesus was the radiance of his glory. This was a couple weeks ago. The exact representation of his nature. And Jesus came with a very specific task. Are you guys still with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, enacting a redemptive plan to restore what was lost. The Father came to reveal, I'm not like you. I'm good. I'm still here. I could have walked away, but I'm still here. Jesus came, part two, very specific, to make purification for sin once and for all. The stuff that is keeping you from being pulled into this life-giving community, it needs to be done away with once and for all. And so Jesus, Hebrews 1, verse 3 made purification for sin, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. It says he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He returned to the right hand of the Father, and he sat down. His work was finished, enacting phase three of the great redemptive plan, which was who? The Holy Spirit. You see, because God didn't want to just dwell around us or in our midst as this holy in the temple in the Old Testament. He didn't want to just dwell in this like tabernacle. He didn't want to just walk among us as Jesus in the flesh. You know what he actually, his ultimate goal was? To get inside of us. But he had, there was like this progression of closeness that kind of had to take place. But the goal was that the Spirit of God would come and dwell inside of us to restore us from the inside out to the image of God. Are you with me? You see, the plan all along was to pull us into this community, restore us so that we could represent God again on the earth. Are we fire hosed? Am I like too much too fast? Are we okay? Okay, so you are a image bearer of God by nature, meant to carry his glory in, on, the, on the world. But you can't do that without the Holy Spirit dwelling, the full-on Father, Son, Holy Spirit, revelation, inside out, restoring the image of God. That's how we do it. And this is why God, not only is God radiant, 
Do you know that in Jesus, with the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you are meant to be radiant? And this isn't like just some cute, oh, cool, you're encouraging me, you're lifting me up this morning. No, no, no. Psalm 34, verse 5 says this. Check this out. Look what we're pulled into. Psalm 34, 5. Do we got it out there? It's okay if not. I'll flip there. Suspense. It's okay. Y'all need suspense on this one because it's, it's incredible. It says this. Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. When we turn our eyes, when we lift our eyes from the junk that we're all messed up in in this world and we fix our eyes on Jesus and we get pulled into the radiance of the glory of God, that is our intended created purpose, okay? So, Father came first, as good fathers always do. They lead in reconciliation, right? He He was drawing near to reconcile. The Father came first, okay? He did his part, and then he sent Jesus. Jesus came. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. Jesus did his part, made purification of sin. Jesus went, sat at the right hand of God, and then sent, phase three, the Holy Spirit to be inside of us. The Bible calls Christ in me the hope of glory. The only hope that we have to being restored to the glory that we were created to carry is, say it with me, Christ in me. Say it with me. Christ in me. One more time. Christ in me. Not religion, not your best to-do list, not your new legalism, not your greatest religious efforts. Christ inside of you is the only hope of you carrying the glory of God that you have. So we better figure out how to access that, right? But the point this morning is we're being pulled into this family to carry the radiance of God into the earth again, to carry the image of God into, earth, into the earth again. And listen, it's a family. Here's the, here's the word for this morning. That was all just recap because it's so good. And we've got to understand. We've got to understand what we've been redeemed into, what Jesus is wanting to restore in us, okay? We've been adopted into a family. Here's the word for this morning of goers. God came first. He sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Guys, the family is the family of goers. We're, they're moving forward. You see what I'm saying? So now we get remade in the image of God, and the nature of the family that we're a part of is Jesus now looks at us and he says, now you go, and you make disciples. Now you go, and you move forward. Guys, the kingdom of God is forward moving, forward moving. And the word, I believe the word for this morning for us as a church family is it's time to move forward. That's the family we've been pulled into, okay? It is time to go. Let's go. Let's go forward. This is not just cute Trinitarian theology. This is you've been pulled in to a family of goers, so let's go. I believe this morning there's a word for every single one of us in this room to move forward in your life from something. I think what that specific something is is probably going to be different for every single one of you this morning. But I believe, and I've been praying, that every single one of us would feel a very clear, like, God is calling me forward today. So in the next 15 minutes, I want to invite you guys with five specific invitations to go. 
This is not Mission Sunday. I'm not like putting church plant locations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about forward movement in God. I'm talking about some of us are stuck in stuff. And he's like, it's time to move forward. Some of us are complacent. Some of us are just bored. And God's like, let's go. It's time to move forward. This is the family you're a part of. We don't stay still. We don't sit on our hands and wonder if somebody else is going to come fix the solution. We go. And so there's five specific invitations in this family of God that we have been pulled into for us to go this morning. You guys ready for them? All right. Look at Genesis. So as I, I felt like the Lord said, go this, for, for this Sunday. This was not the message I was wanting to preach today. I've got like five of the messages I was way more excited about. And I, I was like, God, well, what's your message? And I felt like he said, go, 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 go. And I'm like, really, God? Are you sure? He's like, go, go, go. I'm like, I don't even, I'm not the go guy. I'm like the stay guy. You know, like, <laughs> I want to like be here forever and, you know, be a part of this community. But as I pressed into it, I just felt like the Lord started taking me through all these, all these incredible people in the scriptures that he came to with this simple invitation. He said, go. And he called them forward out of all kinds of stuff, okay? So we're going to look at five briefly. I'm not going to unpack all these stories because there's too many of them, right? But if one of these is like speaking to you, you should go unpack the story with God, right? So we're going to look at Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David, and Jesus, okay? You're like, bro, you got 14 minutes. How are you going to do that? <laughs> we're going to go, all right? It's going to be awesome. I'm going to take a sip of water, too. Genesis 12.1. Go there real quick. Kingdom of God is moving forward. It's moving forward. If we are standing still, we are losing ground. If we are sitting on our hands, we are wasting our days. Let's go. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, say it with me, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And in verse 2, he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I believe this morning that there's an invitation for many of us in the room to go into the unknown, that, that he is calling us to leave the familiar, to leave what's become comfortable to us, and to go, and here we see, so that we could be a blessing. Abraham did not know where God was going to lead him to or call him to, but God showed up to him and he said, Abraham, I have something for you. Start moving. Go. I'll show you where we're going when we get there. And I believe for some of us this morning, there's this Abrahamic invitation to go. And I don't even know where. That's between you and God. He might not show you for a while, but I feel like it's an invitation into the unknown. It's an invitation away from your comfort and into a calling. Go. I told you this was going to be quick, all right? If that's you, you need to go get with God Read Genesis 12, 1, and wrangle that with him, okay? That's between you and the Lord. This is just like a word, like yeah. go. Go into the unknown. Move forward, okay? 
Moses, Exodus 4, 12. Moses was commissioned by God to go and be a part of an incredible rescue plan to see an entire nation released from bondage and and captivity. But you know what he was hung up on? He was hung up on his skill set. He said, but God, I don't talk good. I don't don't speak good. I'm not very eloquent, Lord. How am I going to see an entire nation released from bondage? I'm not that gifted. I'm not that skilled. And God, look at him. He He said, I made your mouth. Now, therefore, go. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He's saying, look, I actually don't need you to have all the skills. I just need you to go, and I'll be with you. I believe this morning that some of you have hard situations in your lives or hard conversations that need to be had that God's already called you to go into or already called you to go have, but you're like, oh, but I don't talk good or something, or, I, I, but I don't know what to say, or, but I don't know, how, I, what am I supposed to do when I get there? And he's like, go, go. How much time do we waste standing there still waiting for the full picture to be exposed when God's like, would you just go and show me you got a little faith in the game here and I'll unfold it for you when you get there? Go. Samuel, first Samuel 16, verse 1. Guys, we're going to see pretty quickly here this morning that this family of goers, I mean, it's the story of biblical history as we've been pulled into a redemptive family of goers. We're not standing still, guys. And, and there's too much. There's too much complacency. There's too much sitting on our hands slouching back, waiting for somebody else to do something about it. Guys, we're invited to go. So with Abraham, go into the unknown. With Moses, going into a hard situation, knowing God's going to be there with you. And then this one, I want to tread lightly here because I, I, don't, I like take people's grief seriously. But look at this. So in this, in this context of this passage, you guys, some of y'all will know the story. There was a king in Israel. The first king of Israel, his name was Saul. And he was supposed to lead the people toward God. He ended up being a kind of a crazy egomaniac, and, and he wandered away from God. He disobeyed the voice of the Lord, and so he got rejected as king. Now, Samuel was the guy that had, like, helped appoint Saul as king. And so now Samuel's all, like, gloomy and disappointed because Saul didn't work out. And he's, like, all sad. And it's a bummer. It's a, it was a tragic disobedience from Saul. I'm not minimizing it. But... Samuel's all hanging his head, and he's all bummed about what could have been. And God says to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons, which we know the rest of the story, if you go read the rest of the chapter, would end up being King David. King David. It's incredible image that we get of a man after God's own heart, not perfect, but fully drawn near to the Father. See, here's the deal. 
Samuel was grieving what was lost, and he was missing that God was providing something new. And so I believe there's an invitation, and I'm treading lightly because there are people in this room that are grieving. There are some of you that have incredibly painful situations going on in your life, and I'm not trying to like rush you out of that place before you've had time to do what you need to do with God. So this is not for you. But I'm saying there are some of us that are stuck in a place of grieving over something from yesterday that didn't pan out. We're stuck in a place of grieving what didn't happen. And when God's like, hey, how long are you going to grieve? Because I've actually provided something new for you. But if you're going to stay here forever, you're never going to find it. And so he looks at Samuel and he says, so I'm inviting you out of your grief to go. And I believe that there are some this morning that God is going to touch you and he's going to gently lead you out of your grief to something in front of you, not behind you. And then in the next chapter, 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, okay? So, so just a chapter later, we see this newly anointed king, David. He, he, was, he wasn't king yet. He was still a shepherd boy, okay? But we see this newly anointed king. And y'all have heard the story of David and Goliath, it's one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. If you didn't grow up in the church like me, you heard about David slaying this giant named Goliath, right? So everybody's kind of, the, the giant's out. He's taunting the armies of Israel. He's taunting the living God. Everybody's scared of this giant. Nobody wants to go fight him. And here's this little teenager, redheaded shepherd boy who's like, well, this guy's mocking God. I'm not going to let that happen. You guys can all cower in your tents, but I know who the living God is, so I'm going to go. And David goes forward, and they're all ridiculing him, saying, you're just this little shepherd boy. This guy's a trained warrior. He's a giant. He's three feet taller than you. He said, the Lord, who delivered me from the paw of a lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul looked, him in and said, looked at David and said, go. And the Lord be with you. Go conquer your giant. Some of you guys, there's a giant God has called you to slay. And you're waiting for the invitation to go. And I believe your king this morning is saying, go and slay. I am with you. Stop, stop figuring out your battle plan for your giant any longer. Just go. Okay? You're released. If, you, if, if God... Look, if God has highlighted a giant to you, it's probably because you're the one that needs to go slay it, okay? Look, I have friends that have incredible burdens on their heart for different things. I mean, there are, I mean, just how many issues are there in our society? How many great places of brokenness and pain, right? But God will highlight certain giants to each of us, because we've been pulled into this family to carry the radiance of God, and now he's commissioning us all out, and your orders are not going to be the same as my orders. Your giant that you're supposed to slay, God is into efficiency. He's like, I don't need y'all all slaying the same giant. There's about a thousand giants out there, so I need to give a thousand of you different calls. 
So stop waiting for your calling to be my calling. If you, if you see a giant, if you see a problem, stop waiting on somebody else to get all behind you and to rally behind you and say, okay, yeah, 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 we're going to go follow you to your cause. Go slay your giant. And I promise you, nobody was following David. Nobody. But, oh, they followed him when that Goliath went down, didn't they? Stop waiting. If you're called to slay a giant, stop waiting for the army to gather behind you. Go, and the Lord be with you, and I promise the army will come. Okay. Family of goers, do you guys see this? I had no idea that go was so much in the scripture, but God's like, he's commissioning us. He's like, there is actually work to do on this planet to reclaim it for my glory, and you're the ones to do it. That's why I've done all this. I mean, the Lord's like, for 2,000 years, I've been revealing myself. I've been, I've been speaking. I've been prophets. And I, I even like put on a body and like walked on the planet, man. And you guys spit in my face, but it's okay. I resurrected from the grave and you're wrong. And, and now here, here's the Holy Spirit. And now everybody's like filled with this new power. And like, whoa, I actually have the ability to be a man or a woman of God now. And what do I do? Go and do something. Just like be the radiance of God that you were redeemed to be be and just go anywhere go to H-E-B thank you Whitney thank you that you're just saying I don't need to be some famous preacher on some platform just give me a job at H-E-B and I'll go there faithfully every single day week in and week out and I will take this testimony of my broken life and I'll share it with anybody that'll listen that's what she does at H-E-B she goes she doesn't have to have this blog following with a million people listening to her thing. She just goes. Because she's radiant with the image of God. It was what she was created to do, was fill the earth with his glory. And so were you. So were you. And so was I. So every single one of us. Let's go. And then lastly, Jesus in John 8, 8 through 11, there's this amazing passage where this woman is caught in her shame. She's caught in the act of adultery. You guys know this story. She's dragged, the, the religious people drag her before Jesus, and they're, they've caught her in her shame. And there's this amazing, amazing exchange between Jesus and this poor, humiliated, broken woman. John 8, 8 through 11. Once more, he bent down, on, he wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? There was a crowd gathered around her waiting to stone and they all walked away. He said, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. For some of us this morning, there's an invitation to leave our bondage, to leave the place of our sin and shame. There's an invitation to go and sin no more. There's an invitation to press forward from the place of our shame and bondage, 
to go. It's a powerful invitation. Church, it's time to move forward. It's time to press on. Go ahead and stand. I want to invite the band up and got a few, I got another scripture I want to read, and, but as we respond, I, I imagine today, let's go ahead and get our prayer team up here too, life group leaders. If you don't know, if you're new to Antioch, the prayer team, are, the prayer team is here just to be a place to, to encourage and listen. Everything that happens up here is, is confidential, but it's like we just need people in our corner, and sometimes there's just something that happens when I get out of my chair. I, I, like, I believe that God is speaking to many of you this morning, but there's something that happens when like, I actually, God's inviting me to do something and I, and I respond. I, like, I like, get out of my chair because God's moving me forward. You know what I'm saying? So I just believe that there's some room for us to move forward, for you to even get out of your chair. If God is, if, if something is like hitting on you today, then there's, a, there's an opportunity for us to go. It's time to move forward. And in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, I really wanna, really wanna land here today. Paul's talking about this journey that we're all on to know Jesus and this journey that we're all on to like walk as these image bearers that, that actually fill the earth with his radiance. He's like, we're all on this journey. We're all on the journey to like carry his glory again. Remember? And so he says, but not that I've already obtained this. Even Paul, he's saying, I'm not perfect. I haven't figured this thing out. I'm not the perfect radiance of his glory. That's what he's saying. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. God is inviting, I believe, every single one of us in this room this morning to strain forward, to move forward. There's something that you need to leave behind as you move forward today. There's some invitation to go that every one of us needs to respond to, I believe, this morning. And how you respond is up to you. The specific thing that God is doing in your heart, I, I, that's between you and the Lord. But guys, it's time to move forward, amen? It's time to move forward. It's time to press on. It's time to move forward. Guys, I just wanna share a couple things. I believe he's calling us to move forward. And I, if one of these is pinging you when I say it, I want you to move. Like I, if, if God is touching your heart to move forward, I want you to move forward. I'm not saying you have to come pray with one of these people, but at least just walk up here. At least just like do something that costs you a little bit because you're like, okay, yes, Lord, I'm responding. But I believe that God is inviting us out of confusion into clarity this morning. And that there's some of us that need to go. You need to go from confusion into clarity. I believe that he's calling us to go out of complacency and into confidence. 
If you're stuck in complacency, you need to go. You need to get up here and you need to pray with somebody. If some of you, like this woman, he's calling you to go from your shame into security. He's calling you forward. For some of you, he's calling you out of your pain and into his promise. He's inviting you to stop grieving what didn't happen and to move forward into what's ahead. For some, he's calling us out of bitterness into blessing. He's calling us out of offense into offense. And he's calling us out of regret into resolve. He's inviting us to move forward. So church, I want you to begin to move forward. If God's spoken to you this morning, as I pray, I just want you to come forward and respond in the way that you need to. It is time to go. And some of you are hearing the voice as I'm talking of a drill sergeant or a coach. You're thinking God's like, go, 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 go. But what if it was the voice of a father? What if it was the voice of a father saying, go, go. You have what it takes. You can do it. Go, come on, my son, my daughter, go. It's the voice of a good father calling us forward, so let's move forward. Lord Jesus, would you right now just reveal every place that we're stuck, every place that we're complacent, every place that we're standing still, every place where we are hindered in the forward movement of the kingdom, and would we go? I pray right now you would release people to go forward in Jesus' name, to go forward and slay a giant, to go forward and leave grief, to go forward today to press on into the unknown, to go as an image bearer and an image carrier of the living God. Come Lord, restore us to what you made us to be and who you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.